Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more, so definitely join in the conversation. You can find our social media links on OchoDuroParlayHour.com, and always remember to use the hashtag ODPH, because we have a lot to break down this week. Yeah. Kicking off this week's entertainment edition... Of the ODPH, we are recapping one of our favorite shows, Yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Them agents. Them agents are riding off into the sunset in a big way. Yeah, It's been slowly picking up steam, but past couple weeks, they've really kicked off kind of where they should be in, this, mm-hmm. in the saga. Because usually the first episode, we get a little teaser what's going on. And, and this one, we know they're doing a lot of time traveling. Oh, yeah. We've been discussing it a lot. Kind of have mixed feelings on it, uh, but I think it's been a fresh take for it. But obviously, when you start dancing around in time, bad things happen. Yeah, usually nothing good. Nothing good at all. So we are going to be breaking down what the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents have been up to this past week's episode. So if you haven't seen the episode, pause. We give you fair warning because we're going to start jumping into spoilers in three, two, one. Pad. What did you think? I thought it was an okay episode. You know, not exactly a home run smash out of the park. But it was very enjoyable. Uh, interested to see where they go next week. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see where they're planning on going. Because at this point, they're slowly working their way back to our current timeline. Mm-hmm. They've been jumping around from the 1930s to the 1950s. to Most recently, they were in the 1970s. And are still working their way towards the 80s until they get back to, we're presuming, Avengers Endgame time frame. Mm-hmm. That's the early assumption we have with yep. this. But this past week's episode, they're still in 1976, mm-hmm. and a lot has happened yeah. that is their fault. Yeah. You can't sugarcoat it. No. <laughs> this is all on them. I understand they're trying to stop the Chronicoms from taking over and slowly but surely wiping away the MCU as we know it. But they're kind of backing like bulls in a china shop. Yeah, they are just making miscue after miscue after miscue. Notably, they have allowed a time anomaly by the name of Nathaniel... Malik mm-hmm. to run crazy because now where he originally wasn't in the timeline he is yeah and has tried to take Daisy's powers yeah and you know like we said not supposed to be there but he's still there and everything's just a mess everything is absolutely a mess which it is crazy to see at this point but a lot has happened from the previous week that it finally really started picking up and this is where we see that the team is in a little bit of disarray. So kicking off with this, where do we go, Pat? Uh, it picks up pretty much right where we left off the last episode where Mac made the decision to save it, not uh, take out the lighthouse and stop Project Insight in the one way, uh, but they still stopped Project Insight, and he saved his parents, and now they got to deal with the ramifications because uh, the Zephyr's kind of like in open waters. It's in open waters, and obviously S.H.I.E.L.D. at this time <laughs> does not know that Mac and company are agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Let's say they don't know squat about them. No. So at this point, the lighthouse is retaliating and start firing missiles at the Zephyr, and they damage the ship. More Uh importantly, they damage the time drive. So this is going to cause nothing but problems for for those agents because now they have to try fixing it and also 
where are they going to go from here and trying to really figure out, okay, we're stuck here. We got to be a step ahead of the Chronicoms. We're not. And it's also getting slowly figured out that Simmons is having issues. Right. And then one of the other issues they got is they're barely in control of where they go now. Yes. And then you factor in the time drive is damaged. They're really not in control now. Yeah. So with that all going on, Simmons has been the linchpin to make sure everybody is running smoothly throughout the timeline because she has the knowledge of her, you know, from Fritz, from obviously from right. retaining everything that's going on with the time travel that he's gone through. And just the whole setup has been it's working out of place with Fitz because we mm-hmm. haven't seen him the entire season. Correct. So obviously he's had something set up. But once it's discovered that Simmons is having issues with the communication, it's just all spiraling out of control. Mm-hmm. And this is where you start getting into the cr- the problem they're going to have this entire season. Right. Because if they're not a step ahead, they're two steps behind. And the Chronicoms have already shown there are foot footsteps, footsteps mm-hmm. ahead. I mean, I, plural for a reason. Because every time Shield makes a move, they're behind the eight ball completely. In, a, in the worst way possible. Right. Because due to the Chronicoms being so much a step ahead, that's where Nathaniel Malik really got to step up and kind of figure out, okay, there's Inhumans. Right. And I'm not sure at this point if he knows they're Inhumans yet. I don't I don't think so. I think he just – because uh, at one point in the episode, doesn't he say like serum or something like that? Yeah, he, he almost refers to back to the uh, super soldier serum. Right. So there, he doesn't know Inhumans are a thing. I think to him it's just, a, oh, hey, you were experimented on kind of how they did with Steve Rogers and Captain America and all the other instances in the Marvel timeline. Yeah. So at this point, this is where he is has Daisy captured and is starting to do the experiments to, right. to, to siphon the powers. Which is never good because, obviously, we've gone through the lineage of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yeah. When everybody had their powers developed through the Terrigen Mist, uh-huh. it it took out some uh, uh, characters. Yep. It radically transformed other characters. Oh, yeah. It's not good. No. It's never good. And when Malik tries to take the powers from Daisy, it's too much. Uh-huh. And what he doesn't realize, and something that Daisy knows, is every time that He's using the earthquake powers. Uh-huh. His bones break. Yep. And this is something that he's not used to, and it obviously has bad ramifications because the building is crumbling around him Yeah, due to this. A little bit. So with that being said, it's it's almost a catch-22 for him because what he's just trying to do is take Hydra to the next level, and it's not really happening. No. No. It, and for Daisy and company, this is going to be a problem going on because – this is the problem they made, like we said at the beginning of the show. Yeah, no, they got nobody to blame but themselves. No, they don't. So meanwhile, at this time, too, Souza is trying to is working his way to free Daisy and mm-hmm. does pull off a dramatic escape so they get to the Zephyr. Yep. At the same point, Simmons is trying to get repaired what is going on with her. Yeah, we finally figure out what the heck's going on there. And what is it? Uh, she's Her memory's all messed up because of the events of what happened in the time drive and, and getting thrown backwards in time she knows how to fix it but she can't remember how so she's uh got enoch putting a device in her head to try and put her brain back together at least that's how it seemed to me yeah that was how it it looked on tv because as we're watching enoch is sitting there trying to do work and deke yet again yeah how many times we gotta say between him and daisy is the time jump completely warped their heads? Uh, probably. And the sense of logic and calmness is out the window? Yeah. Because while Enoch is working on Simmons, Deke immediately thinks he's a Chronicom mm-hmm. as part of the group that's trying to sabotage S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. and ruins the operation that's trying to fix Simmons. Yeah. 
until it's broken down what is going on. And, and it's like Deke this entire season has been flying off the handle. Right. And I, I mean, I get it. And I think it's, it's a nice change of pace for his character. I mean, Jeff Ward has really stepped his game up yeah. with us and kind of shown that Deke is just not the goofy, you know, sidekick that is completely fish out of water. No, he's actually trying to prove his worth as a member of the team. And obviously him playing off Joel Sofer's Enoch was a great back and forth because mm-hmm. Enoch does never break character. He's always just robotic as it is because he is one. And when he's trying to explain what's going on, Deke, you know, hasn't really figured out, like, maybe I should pull it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Even though it's been proven that Enoch is working with the team, he's just not buying it, which it's kind of a weird, yeah. weird back and forth. But as we've gone through the lineage of the show this season – Deke's the one who shot the original Malik. Yeah. Deke's the one that almost killed him way back when in time. Well, so, yeah, Deke tells uh, Mac he shot Malik, and uh, Mac is real thrilled about that. Yeah. Well, because they know that any time that you're altering time, it is forcing everything to change. Mm-hmm. The slightest detail out of place is causing a ripple effect that they can't even fathom. Mm-hmm. It's wild to think it, but it is what happens with time travel. It always does. Yeah. And especially for where Marvel is. And I mean, Grant, you can say what you will that everything got reset with Endgame. Yeah. We still don't know where the show is currently with that timeline. Mm-hmm. So you can't say that, okay, it's been completely reset and not. It's just something that we haven't really seen. Right. So that's going to be another plot line moving forward. Especially Deke needs to really focus on the mission at hand instead of just going off on his own. I mean, this is what happened with Daisy when she decided to do it. Right. And, and look what happened. Now yeah. she's, she's going to be powerless as it appears, but we're not sure the extent of that. I mean, that could, any last things could happen with that, mm-hmm. but I digress. Meanwhile, you still have May and, and Colson still trying to work together with all their issues going on. Work together while uh, simultaneously trying to stay undercover. Yes. Which one thing that I will say with May's new powers she is getting a step ahead with catching up to the Chronicoms. Uh, I'd say so. And how does she do this, Pat? Uh, whenever she touches them, she can't because her power is uh, she can feel the person's feelings. Uh, when she touches a Chronicom, she senses nothing. Right. So this is a power that's definitely going to help them down yeah. the road. Which, you know, when she first got the, I always call, I always revert them back to like when Rogue mm, had yeah. where she could absorb. I always reverted to that, but this one is something that can definitely help out because with the Chronicoms face stealing and body stealing mm-hmm. however you want to define it this is going to be something that is going to help shield catch up and maybe stop them ultimately yeah so may's growth with her powers is going to be some is going to be something to watch and obviously her and colson figuring out where they are now mm-hmm. I mean, colson's an lmd may is devoid of all emotion too and, and because she's back from the dead comics yeah. folks reasons yeah <laughs> So how they're working together, you, you're slowly starting to see them start to trust each other a little bit and work together. Because as they're escaping, they do find a way to get General Rick Stoner mm-hmm. freed. Who, I mean, can, what can we say about Patrick Warburton, Warburton that hasn't been said before? Uh, he's awesome. He's amazing on this show. I mean, he's always the one that he has the deep voice, and you, you know him when you see him on screen. Or you hear the voice. Yep. And so he, so when, at this point, like I say – I, I can keep going on and on about him, so I, I can focus back on the show. This point, Colson and May wind up rescuing him, and they find the Chronicom ship. Yep. So once they get to the ship, it's kind of a weird connection Colson can adapt with the Chronicom ship. 
because he winds up having a talk with Sybil, mm-hmm. who is, I want to say, what, the Chronicom's main leader at this point. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit of uh, the Supreme Intelligence from Captain Marvel, at, okay. le- at least into like a... You know the overall overarching like main person. Yeah, and there's is kind of an interesting debate that Coulson has with Sybil, mm-hmm. and Coulson winds up figuring out their plan. Well, what Sybil is telling him yeah. about it, about their plan, Coulson's kind of de- deciding a little bit. Okay, what do we do next? And what does he try to do? He blows the ship up with, and he's still on it. Yeah, which I understand. Colson is an LMD and such. It's like initial shock factor, but then you go, oh, wait, LMD. Yeah. So it, it kind of takes a little bit away because you almost have to wonder. Colson understands he's a robot, but how many times is he going to get put back together? Uh, probably uh, as many as he needs to. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be an interesting factor going forward, too. There's so much they were planting little seeds here that I have to say. Like the dynamic with what's going on with Simmons, they really mm-hmm. kind of focused in on a little bit more. Just to follow up, they did the power transfer from Daisy, so that could be something as well. Yeah. Deke flying off the handle again. Yeah. And now with Coulson, with the ship blowing up, and he's going to come back unscathed, you have to figure, are they going to explain how invulnerable he is as an LMD? Maybe. They have to. I don't see how they can let it slide. It's kind of a very noticeable plot hole because if he's on board a ship and it blows up, how do you just say that other than you go, reasons? Meanwhile... Mac and company find out that the whole setup that they've been working on about saving Mac's parents and getting them to safety, unfortunately, was all for nothing. Yeah, they're uh, impersonated by Chronicoms. Yeah, this was probably the most emotional part of the episode, Yeah, I, I will say. Yeah. I, I definitely was sitting there. It was a great swerve that they did, but Henry Simmons definitely acted it up. and You could definitely tell the, all the emotions going through that. He finds out that his parents, who he thought he was seeing for the first time in, in this new timeline as he's aged and been older, mm-hmm. that they were never there in the entire point. They were taken over by Chronicoms. Yep. And Max, Mac does what anybody would do in that situation. Tosses him out the plane. Flies him right off the ship. <laughs> so it's a little crazy how they wind up doing this, but it's a great scene that he's just – accepting that, hey, they're not there, because once it's tipped off to him that they're Chronicoms, and you could tell by the arms. Like mm-hmm. Yo- Yo-Yo picked that up, too, that it was like it was something with the arms that that wound up being the tell card. Yeah. Once I got figured out, that really hit home with the episode. Because like I said, this episode overall was good. Yeah. Not going to say it, it wasn't, but it was, seemed like they were setting up little bits in here and there for the story going forward. Like it was almost like a setup episode. Yeah, no, I, I got the same sense, too. Yeah, so, I mean, it was great on how they did it, but the cliffhanger, though, was very interesting. Yeah. Because now they're in 1982. Yep. Yet again, another time jump. Yep. Max steps out to get a moment for himself. Right. And Deke is sent to go check on him, and then while they're off the ship, the ship takes off. Yep, because, again, the uh, time device, I'm blanking on the name of it, uh, is still broken. Yeah, once the time drive is still not up and running and to where they need to rely on it. They could be bouncing around the multiverse or where the timeline, the timeline, the multiverse. I mean, it's comics. It blends They're going to be flying around so much that you have to figure out, okay, this is going to add another dynamic to the show that they don't already need. Yeah. But this is going to be an interesting story for Deke and Mac moving forward 
for this coming episode. Which is titled, The Totally Excellent Adventures of Mac and the D. Yes, which if you saw the trailer for this episode, it's completely 1980s mm-hmm. movie style yeah. everything. Yeah. It's going to be over the top. It's going to be a fun episode. Oh, I'm sure it will I'm be. Not, I'm not expecting a lot from this episode, to be honest with you. I could be happily surprised. Yeah. But I think this one's just going to be a nice little throw to the fans just to have some fun. Like, this is probably going to look more like a Legends of Tomorrow episode. Probably. Than an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. one. I'm going on an early prediction with this Probably. One. It's going to be a fun one to watch. But, like I say, for how they've been really speeding up the past couple episodes, to have a little break in the action, so to speak, where... They normally would have a mid-season break. I think this is going to be a fun episode to catch up on because, there's, like I say, there's so much with what's going on with Simmons, which yeah. they, they touched upon. But you notice how they didn't really focus a lot of time on that? Mm-hmm. No pun intended. I think that's going to be coming up in a future episode just because I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for this season. Uh, episode 9 is titled As I Have Always Been, uh, written by Drew Z. Greenberg, uh, directed by... Elizabeth Henstridge. Who plays Gemma Simmons. Uh-huh. I, th- I think that's where we're going to get a lot of like uh, cl- maybe closure and, and end of plot points for what's going on with uh, her this season. Well, they're going to definitely need to do something because that time or that moment in the show, I know they focused a little bit on. Uh-huh. They didn't go into this, to real detail, but if she is the one that's supposed to be the captain of the ship, and let's face it, she's the one that's getting the information via yeah. fits and, yeah. and how they're, they're pulling that off. She needs to be at 100% if they have any chance to beat the Chronicoms. She isn't. And if the ship's time drive is broken and just taking off randomly, yeah, how are they supposed to keep up with the Chronicoms? It's another plot hole that they need to figure out. Mm-hmm. Plus, whatever's going to happen with Daisy now, yeah, that if she is powerless or is has them come back to the full strength, because that's the one thing we don't know. No, we don't. We I just have a vibe about that that, no pun intended, nah. that... Uh, He's not going to be at 100%, and I think this is going to be where Malik winds up coming to, into the future. And dare I say, does he turn into a villain per se? Does he turn into Graviton Ooh. instead? Let me throw that out there to you, ODPH audience. Uh, ODPH Society, I need to remember to say that. But this episode, though, overall, had a lot of great points to it. Mm-hmm. Probably the strongest moments, though, were late in the show. I will say that when Mac finds out about his parents, right? That's the only thing that really stuck out and hit home with this episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything else about this episode was pretty, pretty on point too. But like I say, it was just a lot more tying up the loose ends of the seventies, mm-hmm. but also creating enough questions that okay, Coulson knows what's going on, but if he was on the ship and it blew up, what's the damage that's going to happen to him? Is he going to start developing like a Wolverine type mentality where I can go in anywhere and I'm not going to feel anything? <laughs> It's quite possible. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to start doing that and start pop- popping out uh, claws and start saying he's the best at what he does. Yeah. But it's going to be an interesting factor that is he going to think that he's so un- invulnerable and un- invincible that he can just do whatever he wants? Mm, maybe. It's questions like this that we're going to have to answer, and I'm sure the show is going to do that moving forward. So definitely overall final thoughts, Pat? Uh, good episode. Not the best in the world, but it's still very enjoyable. Uh, can't wait to see where they go next week in the total 80s trip that it's going to be. If you're a fan of 80s movies, I get the feeling you're going to love it. Absolutely. Let us know what you think, ODPH Society. Hit us up on those hashtags. Hashtag ODPH. Let us know what you thought about this past episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and where do you think the team is going moving forward? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. Don't change that station because... 
just for a minute, we're here, invading your current universe and bringing you two hours. The Tangent Versus, to probe your mind. I'm Kelvin. I'm the Chris. And we're two weirdos, nerds, geeks who discuss and obsess over ours and your favorite TV shows, movies, and other parts of geek nerd culture. So, how about you give us a listen and come with us down the rabbit hole. Take the red pill and see how dark and twisted things may or may not get. Available on all major podcast providers. We now return you to your regularly scheduled podcast. Good Good night. Hi, this is Tyler from Second Suitor and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it. I want you to understand I'm doing the best I can But not as good as I want to be I just want to get it I just want to comprehend That I have to make amends Coming back for the second segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and I got to talk some Stargirl. Okay. CW's breakout hit, and note how I said that, the CW's, because it has been announced. Yep. It has been renewed for season two, mm-hmm. which is awesome, but yep. it's going to be leaving the DC universe. Yep. So, Pat, let me ask you this. Jumping into that story before we break down the episode, what is your thoughts about them going to CW exclusively? Um, not entirely surprising, just because you look at the way things have been going. Uh, Doom Patrol season two is airing on both uh, DC Universe and HBO Max as, as it comes out. Uh, there have been stories, including an email from HBO Max themselves, that said they're going to be adding the Harley Quinn uh, animated series to HBO Max very soon. Uh, you look at Swamp Thing uh, is going to be re-aired in however many episodes it had. Ten, on, I believe. On CW. And then, you know, obviously with Stargirl. So at this point, all that the DC Universe has left is Titans and Young Justice. To me, it kind of says writings on the wall. They're going to be gone sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think that is very clear and evident that they're going to be absorbed in HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad thing, I would say, at this stage. It all depends on what you want from HBO Max as far as your characters having live-action shows. Mm-hmm. I think they're still going to have the comic service in some capacity, whether, oh, yeah. whether it's like a Marvel Unlimited deal. They're going to do something with that. I think we'll hear some more if I have to make an early ODPH prediction at DC Fandom in August. Uh, probably. I think that's my, where we're going to hear something. Because at that yeah. stage, uh, Doom Patrol will be slowly winding down, if I'm doing my math right as I'm looking at the calendar. And Stargirl will be wrapped up for Season 1 yeah. right before DC Fandom kicks off. So all that mixed together, I think we're going to hear an announcement. Because the only new project that I have heard is supposed to be coming out is the new season of Young Justice mm-hmm. Animated. After that, Titan Season 3 was greenlit. Mm. I haven't heard anything about that. Hmm. And then Doom Patrol, we know, is on HBO Max. Stargirl has just been now moved to CW. Yeah. One thing I fear, though, and I was talking with Dre about this, uh, because we always go back and forth on Twitter about that, Uh, what happens now with the show? Is it going to hurt it or help it? Honestly, I don't think they're going to have that big of a drop-off. Uh, the only thing that I think this show is going to be hurting in is the special effects when it comes to Stripe. That's Well, that's what I was thinking is there's a very clear, distinct difference between CW, so the Arrowverse shows, 
and Stargirl. Mm-hmm. And that and that's just in the, the amount of money they put into special effects alone. I think there will be a steep drop-off in, ter- in terms of just... I think they'll try to keep it look the same visually. Because even though just the way it looks, not even from a special effects perspective... Very different between the two. I think they'll try and keep that as close as to to what it is now as they can, but I don't think there's any way they'll be able to keep this about. Not even just for stripes, for the show in general. I don't think I don't know if they'll be able to keep the same look because the budget for special effects is just not the same. Right. That's going to be a, a very big question mark we're going to have when they finally start showing things for season two. And will this impact the show that certain actors are not going to want to be on mm-hmm. the CW? Which I I hope not. I, I hope everybody comes back for this one because a lot of times when it's it's not as – I don't want to say as prestigious. Mm. You you sometimes see that actors may not want to come down because, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's different factors going on because, honestly, I, I love how this cast has been thus far. Everything about this show has been a, been a home run. And honestly, this week's episode was no different. Yeah, I'm going to be talking spoilers, so if you haven't caught up with Stargirl, definitely pause this episode, jump on, binge watch it, get caught up, because I definitely want to have some interaction about this one, because I'm going to start talking spoilers in three, two, one. So what did I think? I thought it was a good episode. There was a couple points that I thought could have been a little better, but overall, another home run for CW. Okay. It's going to be weird saying that now. But this was going to be the second part of Shiv's origin. One thing that Stargirl has done very well is when they're introducing characters, they've gone out of their way to give them their own episode to get their background. You get familiar with their actions, their history, everything. And I think they've done a really nice job explaining everybody thus far. Mm-hmm. Even the last week's episode where they give you enough about certain characters we haven't seen a lot of yet, but enough that you're familiar that when you see them again on screen, you go, okay, I got it. Mm-hmm. This one has been Shiv Part 2. It's the story of Cindy, the quote-unquote mean girl of the school. You find out a little bit more about her background that obviously after last week's episode where she nearly killed Stargirl in their first battle and was saved by the Shining Knight, who was not around again, disappeared again, long, mm. long forgotten hero of the DC uh, JSA universe. This picks right up where it left off, where you have Pat escaping from the battle with Courtney, who is injured, and says, okay, how do I have to cover this up? Because obviously he can't go, hey, my daughter's a superhero. Yeah, not exactly the best move. So he stages a car wreck to get her a reason to go to the hospital. And once this is done, which I thought was very smart on his part, mm. like I say, Luke Wilson has been so good in this role that I, I don't think enough credit is given to him about what he's pulling off with this. He winds up covering for Courtney to send her to the hospital and contacts her mom to because she's out of town with Icicle on a business venture. Mm-hmm really does the little things that stand off for the show. Like I said, Breck Bassinger didn't have a lot really at the beginning of this episode, but did pick up later because once they start having the back and forth of, okay, how do I keep explaining this when you get hurt? Right. And they have a decision to make, okay, do we reveal the truth about the JSA to Barbara played by Amy Smart mm-hmm. or not? And Pat is saying, no, you don't. You don't do anything which Courtney is is trying to find a different way. And to be that young and explain it, too, 
is tough because when you're young, you're not thinking that far right. in the future. It's right. just more right in front of your face. And she is just having a, dif- a difficult time coming to terms with, wait, I can't do what I want. I have this cosmic staff. I think I'm invincible. This is the first time that we really saw her get manhandled, like just yeah. just completely dominated in a fight. Which will happen eventually. Yeah, I mean, this is just goes to show the different skill level that she has compared to Cindy, yeah. who, like I say, we haven't known too much of her background except her father, yeah. who we, has been long confirmed to be the Dragon King, has not exactly approved of her uh, super villain actions, I guess sure. I should say. And when she goes for approval saying, hey, I I took out Stargirl, I, I can handle the, you know, the JSA, he is not happy because he says, you disobeyed me. You were not supposed to do that. And when Cindy is taking this, she's she's not handling this news well because she is very impatient. She wants to get going in her level of super villainous. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a weird statement, but if you really think about it, this is all she's trying to do. I mean, Meg DeLacy has been playing Cindy this entire season and has really stepped up her her emotions in this one. And what mm-hmm. I mean by this is at the beginning of the the show, she was always considered the mean girl. And yeah. you didn't really have understand the background. But as you start going through, there's something that she has been responsible for, the death of her mother, that we're kind of getting slow Easter eggs about mm-hmm. that is kind of giving her her motivation, and she's trying to basically get her father's approval. And her father is just not having it. So Cindy is going out of her way to get that approval. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they're also setting up some other plot points down the road, which I one thing I thought they did a really good job is they had Icicle confront a chemical company executive. Okay. And is you find out the history of it, Icicle feels that that company is responsible for his wife's death. Sure. Which I thought was such a strong moment to Neil Jackson who's playing Jordan, a.k.a. Icicle really demonstrated the emotion. Like you get why he's acting this way and you almost... I don't want to say sympathize, mm-hmm. but you can kind of get an understanding of why he's doing what he's doing because he feels, okay, you're responsible for what happened. I'm going to make sure this never happens again, going about it completely in the wrong way mm-hmm. because he does kill him. But he is basically saying that the plan to do, I believe they call it uh, New America, oh, okay, is going to take over and make sure this doesn't happen again. So it's almost like a Magneto type thing where – the ends justify the means. Right, right, right. So you're kind of getting that vibe with this character, which I love. Like, if I, they finally – they're developing him so much that you're understanding him more. And I think that's such a, such a cool thing to do. No pun intended there. Right. Uh. But it's something that I think when they're really fleshing out why villains do what they do, the ones that you can almost justify, sure, you kind of you get a little more sense of uh, like a little poetic tragedy, I guess, mm-hmm. would be the, the way to describe it. Maybe I'm looking too much into it. I don't know. I still think it was a great moment of the show. Going back, though, to the team, this is where I thought the show, I don't want to say took a step back. Okay. But it's something that I need to remind myself of when I watch this. The JSA members decide to go confront Cindy and investigate the house because they, they have an idea what's going on. And this is where we have yet again Dr. Midnight, played by Angelica Washington, who is doing a great job in her role. I'm not I'm not mad at her role at all. Um, is so socially awkward. 
Mm. That she, when she's trying to rally the team, who is completely upset about obviously what's happened to Courtney and they want revenge, goes, I have a plan. And she goes to Cindy's house. Oh, boy. A la the same way that she went to Courtney's house mm. way back when to go investigate. Well, Pat catches up with her just at the door, and there's kind of this wacky hijinks moment where Pat has to say, oh, this is my adopted daughter, and, oh, I'm a friend of Cindy. Well, And, of course, the clone wife, which I'm convinced she's a clone, yeah. of Doctor, the Dragon Lord invites her in, says, hey, come in. You can wait for Cindy. And that's just kind of like a – or the Dragon King, rather. I'm sorry. Uh, she has invites him in. So it's kind of like this weird, awkward moment, but we've seen this before, mm. which I get. It is what it is. But they kind of drug it out a little bit long in this episode. Okay. Because at one point you see Dr. Midnight put on the goggles with Chuck, the AI, mm-hmm. and she starts investigating the house. And Pat's like, we need to get out of here. Like, what yeah. are you doing? During this entire moment – She's going around the house. She finds the secret entrance to go down to the basement where the Dragon Lord, the Dragon King is working, which is never good. No. And luckily, she doesn't get caught because I was waiting for her to tip off where Solomon Grundy is. Oh, yeah. He's kept underneath there. Yeah. And you can see, though, it's like the communication signal is shorted. Meanwhile, back at home, Stargirl is recovering from her injuries, and she gets a visitor. Cindy, where Cindy comes over with candy and is like, oh, I'm so sorry about what happened and goes through this, you know, frenemy moment Uh until probably the strongest point of the episode Uh where once they get done, she's like, well, I got to go. By the way, I know who you are, Stargirl. Bam. Love it. Because obviously that town is so small. You would figure you would be able to understand if a new girl is in town and suddenly you have a superhero fitting the description running around. Right. And Cindy says, basically, I know who you are. I'm going to get you last, but I'm going to kill all your friends first. And she takes off to head home. And it's the weird moment where Courtney winds up realizing, well, my actions are now going to have repercussions. She tries texting uh, Wildcat and Our Man. And they're saying, yeah, uh, Dr. Midnight's at the house. Uh So they're screaming at her to get out. Obviously so, because, hey, why would you tip yourself off when the one member of the Injustice Society that you've had a run-in with almost kills you? Well, I should say the new Injustice Society, because they Uh they planted way too many Easter eggs that there's going to be a, 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 I don't want to say a a teen Injustice Society, but there'll be some kind of variation of them next season. Bank on it. That when Cindy is coming back, Dr. Midnight has to make a dramatic escape, but she is also going through Cindy's bedroom where the goggles are picking up everything and she's doing facial recognition. Now, she did this downstairs, and that's why I say that Cindy's stepmom is a clone because she couldn't recognize a face like throughout the entire world database. She does, though, get to a picture on Cindy's mirror, and this one is very, very telling because... It is a picture of Cindy's dad, a.k.a. the Dragon King, a.k.a. Dr. Shiro Ito, who we come to find out has got some history with the original Justice Society of America. Because once the picture is taken, Pat sees it. Once they they make the dramatic escape where Wildcat has to literally grab Dr. Midnight, throw her out the window to our man to catch her and run. 
Pat sees this and goes, I know who this is. And you see his eyes just go like he's seen a ghost. Mm -hmm. And he knows that they are in some serious trouble. And it's been very much alluded to that the Dragon King is a scientist that has been doing experiments. That's how you almost figure out that Cindy has a healing factor. Because later on, we see that Stargirl comes flying through Cindy's bedroom window because she thinks Dr. Midnight's in trouble. Mm. They wind up having this wild action scene, which it's it's a very cool one. And once again, to kind of touch up on what you were saying, Pat, mm-hmm. the CGI is going to be hurting when they go to CW for this because they were doing a lot of stuff with her staff. Sure. Because the staff had been previously spoken to by Pat about, you, you know, quit dragging Courtney in the situation she can't win. Right. Because it almost has like a Venom symbiotic okay. Uh, okay. kind of vibe to it. But the staff winds up helping Courtney when she's screaming at it, hey, my friends are in trouble, they're going to get killed. They wind up having this crazy fight sequence go on, which I thought was completely awesome. And once they start battling and you start seeing Shiv go against Stargirl, it's another knockdown dragout fight. But there is a very big X factor that's thrown in. Okay. And one other subplot that they were doing this episode is Brainwave Jr. Hmm. Uh, Henry was going and developing his powers, which oh which they've slowly been tying into the show. And, and you're seeing – that's why I say they're, they're almost telegraphing that they're going to set up yet again another Injustice Society, but it's going to be a younger version. Right. Either way, you see that Henry has developed his powers. You're seeing him. He winds up unlocking a hidden room that's in his uh, house, and he sees the original Brainwave costume. He starts seeing – Files and he winds up seeing one on Cindy, who is saying, "Keep an eye on my, keep an eye on Henry. Make sure he's developing in, in, his powers." And, and it's basically his whole relationship with her has been a lie, right? That's been set up by the Dragon King to keep an eye and keep him developed. Like I said, Jake Walker, who's playing Henry, did a very good job about this and trying to obviously deal with everything going on. Because how do you wake up and now suddenly you can have telepathy and mental powers that you don't understand or can't control? It's never a good look. No. But he winds up being the X factor in this fight because where Shiv is ready to kill Stargirl again. And let us face this. He has been complete like she has been completely outmatched and outclassed the entire time. Mm-hmm. We even see when she comes through the window, broken glass hits Cindy in the face and just heals. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say I think that she's been experimented on, even though we haven't been officially told yet. But during this fight, they're going back and forth. They're fighting out in the street, and Henry winds up showing up. And knowing that his whole relationship has been a lie, you can almost say his entire life's been a lie at this stage. We don't know. Right. He winds up unleashing a psionic blast that sends Courtney flying into the road. You see Cindy get thrown into the other direction, where Doctor the Dragon King's minions wind up taking her underground like almost like teenage mutant ninja turtle style okay pop the sewer top grab her throw her down and put the top back on and are gone and this stage two henry has now figured out courtney is stargirl Mm -hmm. because he's reading both of their minds where this going to play in effect we don't know because the end of the show he winds up running away oh okay and while he's running the dragon king is watching of course and and then they just fade to black so overall I thought it was a good episode. Uh, Like I say, I think they drug out a little bit too much of the wacky hijinks of Dr. Midnight. Sure. I understand that's her character, so that's why I say I have no problem with, you know, how it was portrayed. I just think that 
the show spent too much time doing the awkward running through the house, mm-hmm. looking for clues. They're also trying to do this weird, the clone was hitting on Pat mm-hmm. sequence too. And it, it was it was a lot of ones. I get it though. I don't think it hurt the episode. It was just kind of for me. I'm like, okay, we can speed this up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I thought where they really had strong points, I thought when they delved into Icicle's backstory a little bit, like I said, he wasn't on screen that much, but he was on just enough. I thought they really did some good stuff there. I thought how they did the Shiv bombshell that I know who you are, Courtney. Mm. I thought that really sped things up where they needed to be, and I'm excited to see where they go with that. I am really excited about the fight scenes. Like The fight sequences they've had have been very good thus far. I know a lot of it is relied on CGI with Courtney's staff, so where that's going to go for next season is anybody's guess. But then again, Arrow has always been known to pull off crazy yeah. sequences. So yeah, they did a few. I imagine they're probably going to have the same team maybe get involved with them if they're going to make the transition. There's so many unanswered questions that we're going to have that we're not going to be able to answer until next season. But for right now, Stargirl has been such a happy surprise, at least for me, because I was thinking the show was going to be okay. It's clearly a home run every time I watch. There's a lot that you can really just enjoy about this because even though like i say i i do get very critical about the wacky hijinks it's still at its heart a retro feel retro superhero show Mm -hmm. that you're going to see that kind of you know like i say i don't want to say corny but you're going to see that kind of wacky hijinks and I, i keep referring to that because that's just what it reminded me of like very predictable very cliche even when pat was having the talk with the staff it felt cliche Mm -hmm. but it wasn't enough to really deter the episode. Like I still think it was strong enough to carry because the moments they hit on, they really did a good job with. So with five more episodes left in the season, they still have got a big battle coming up with the Injustice Society. I'm wondering if we don't see another member or two get added to the JSA. Maybe. I'm almost wondering if Courtney's little stepbrother is going to get added to. There was like a quick sequence where he apologized for his actions. So they almost retconned all the, the forced drama from last week. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be anybody's guess to see where they wind up in August. But I'm definitely, definitely excited and tuned in to watch. Let us know what you think, though. Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about this past week's episode of Stargirl? Where do you think the show is going? Let's have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. From the galactic depths of the comic book universe comes the ghosts of the stratosphere, ready to galvanize and energize your mind with the latest of comic book news and reviews. And why why are you stopping me? Yes, that's much better. Hi, this is Andy Larson for Ghosts of the Stratosphere. Join me every week along with my co-hosts Rob Stewart and Chad Smith as well as a cavalcade of fantastic comic book guests as we dish out heaping helpings of the greatest and latest of comic book news and reviews. New shows posted every Tuesday with bonus shows every first Friday of the month. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher under Ghosts of the Stratosphere as well as on our website www.gotstratosphere.com Hope to see you soon, folks. Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Step 
coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. A lot of one-shots to go through, so definitely yeah. we'll close out strong with that. And I'm going to kick off because Pat has got a ton of them to go through. Yep. So for me, I keep talking about Doom Patrol. It has been great coming out of the gate. Uh, season 2 has been very strong. Uh, if you're into Grant Morrison writing and Gerard Way, this is definitely the show to be watching because mm-hmm. it definitely adapts a lot to it. I won't go into a lot of spoilers because I know – uh, a lot of people are catching up to it over the weekend because obviously with Fourth of July just happening, and you know, hopefully everybody had a safe and healthy one. I uh, know that a lot of fans are catching up, so I don't want to spoil too much. But I will say this: this captured a lot of that weird, crazy quirkiness. Mm-hmm. And Pad, because I know you don't watch the show, no. So if I said Flex Mentalito, Sex Men, and Danny the Street turned into Danny the Tire. What does that say to you? I have no idea. Exactly. So I'm just going to say it was absolutely as weird as that sounds, but it was great. Another strong performance all around from the Doom Patrol cast. And definitely they gave a lot of time to develop Elastigirl's uh, power. So, And i trying to really focus on that. Like That's been an underlying plot this season mm-hmm. with, uh, I should say Elastigirl Woman, uh, but April Bowie's been playing this. Um, very well, and like sure. I said, she's been really been stepping her game up about this, and they've been really trying to make her into the hero that she wants to be, and you're seeing a lot of growth, uh, even though like how they're going about this was kind of a little crazy in its in its own sense too, because mm-hmm. the major focus this entire season has been on the chief's daughter Dorothy, mm-hmm. and that she could have the powers to end the world, and you're seeing a lot of back and forth of what Niles Calder is doing, and how this is you know ultimately working against him in his favor like he just everything he's doing has not been good mm-hmm. and you can see from even when he formed the team i mean timothy dalton has definitely been eating up scenery with with his portrayal and definitely has stepped up and really grown into the role of the chief and you're seeing the chief a lot more this season because last season he was captured by mr nobody you didn't see him mm-hmm. for a lot of the time but this season you really definitely see him up and like i said between bulby's performance uh, as Rita you're seeing those two characters really shine too Matt Bomber's been amazing too as a negative man so you're seeing everybody really get some time to develop Mm -hmm. and I really like that this season because they have really stepped into the roles and they've really embraced the weirdness Mm -hmm. that is Doom Patrol like I say Danny the Street has always been a great character and to see the evolution of that one and you're seeing also the history between Danny and the Chief come to, to come to light and what happens there, and the sex men are as weird and <laughs> awkward as that sounds. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to leave it at that. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Season 2 just started, four episodes in. It's very much worth the while. Highest possible recommendation. If you like something that's definitely not the traditional superhero story, Doom Patrol is where it's at. Cannot recommend it enough. It's on HBO Max and DC Universe, so go check it out. And hit me up on social media. Let me know what you think of the season thus far. At OD Parlay Hour on Twitter and Instagram. So, Pad, I'm going to hand you the mic. Take it home. All right. So, uh, a couple of things to talk about, one of which got announced this morning. Uh, one of my favorite shows on Netflix, The Last Kingdom, has been renewed for a fifth season. Okay. Uh, it is uh, Season four debuted on April 26th, uh, and it was announced this morning that season five will consist of 10 episodes as the previous two seasons, which I think is good. They were very concise and very good, and I, I would say season four was their best season yet. Uh, for those not familiar, uh, the series is based on the Saxon Stories novels by Bernard Cornwell. Uh, it follows the adventures of Uhtred 
Richard of Bebenburg, played by Alexander Draymond, a warrior born a Saxon but raised a Dane in the 9th and 10th century England. Uh, Uhtred becomes an unlikely ally of King Alfred of Wessex, played by David Dawson, uh, and his family as the king seeks to unite all the kingdoms of England under one ruler, despite the fact that Vikings are absolutely ravaging the country. Uh, it's a great series. It's a lot of fun. I'd say if you like Game of, Game of Thrones, it's kind of in that same vein. Okay. Not necessarily so much backstabbing and family mess and all that, but it's still kind of in that same vein. Uh, one of the executive producers said, uh, we are, quote, we're really proud of The Last Kingdom, which continues to entertain audiences all over the world. We had such a tremendous response to the last season. Uh, so we are thrilled to be bringing it back for a season for season five on Netflix with such a loyal fan base. We're excited to give viewers a chance to follow Uhtred on the next stage of his quest. Close quote. Uh, if, and if you're familiar with what happened last season, yeah, they kind of got to follow that up. They're a bit of a cliffhanger, a bit of a, Oh my God, where are they going from here? Uh, definitely recommend you check it out if you have it and who knows when we're going to see it. I know between season three and season four, it took a bit for them to get the season done just because they they go it's kind of like a lord of the rings game of thrones thing they're very exotic locations and it's not exactly locations you set up in a sound studio yeah you know so it'll be interesting to see when they get that up and going and hopefully it's uh not too far in the dust in not too far in the future yeah i know you've been big on the show oh yeah so yep uh, a couple updates to stuff we mentioned in the last couple episodes of course hamilton came out on disney plus over the weekend rave uh, reviews rave reviews and also according to reports uh, the Disney Plus app was downloaded. Uh, downloads were up seventy four percent over the weekend. Wow! So yeah, a lot of people going to Disney Plus uh, to check out Hamilton. Although I do know uh, it was announced by the Academy, uh, the folks who run the Academy Awards, that Hamilton is not eligible for an Oscar. Which okay, I get, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, an update. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we I talked about uh, Warner Brothers Interactive. That's the video game studio. Uh, behind game a whole bunch of games uh, possibly being sold uh, apparently we got some interested takers uh, you have folks such as EA Games, Activision and Take-Two uh, studios are all interested in buying the studios along with Xbox hmm. so hmm. That, that'd be yeah, a lot of a lot of floating around a lot of names get thrown around nothing firm nothing concrete it's a lot of moving parts to get it done so stay tuned for uh, more information if and when it gets sold Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, some more interesting video game news. There's an interesting one coming out. I want to say it's next week. Y- yes, next week. Uh, from the folks over at Sucker Punch Studios, of course, makers of the Infamous series, among very many other games, called for PlayStation 4, called Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, samurai video game. Looks really good. Uh, might check it out at some point myself. This one caught my eye, though. Uh, being it's a samurai video game, they were obviously inspired by the Akira Kurosawa samurai films Okay. from back in the day. Uh, apparently, there is a uh, cinematic mode in a game uh, where they worked with Akira Kurosawa's estate oh, wow. to put in the game so you can make it look and sound and feel like you're in an actual uh, old school samurai movie. That's very dope. Yeah, so uh, it says in the article on entertainmentweekly.com uh, at the end of the article, for final touches, the team added a film grain to make the mode appear as though it just emerged from the age of Kurosawa as well as an increased wind function. In Ghost of Tsushima, the wind serves as the player's navigational tool. Uh, The main character actually follows the wind to find his next destination. In Kurosawa mode, the wind is cranked up. And lastly, we added, uh, we toyed with the audio a little. 
Our audio team have an internal tool that mimics sounds of old TV and, specifically, megaphones, radios, TVs back in the 50s. It all makes for a game with a feel of a theatrical entertainment. So that was definitely something like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, no, it definitely sounds. I mean, you don't hear too much about that style no, of game. So no. definitely interested about that one. No, and I know Tom from Alpha Cuff Gaming has still been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. We got a bit of an update on Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two, um, because everyone, myself included, is wondering when that thing's going to come out. Uh, the, recently, uh, the, uh, in an interview with The Guardian co-director, uh, one of the one of the co-directors and one of the producers said that uh, the development has been affected by the C nineteen pandemic, but it shouldn't have a big impact because everyone's working from home on it. Obviously, didn't give a release date, but yeah, a little bit of news is is better than no news. Yeah, I'd say just any updates there could mean how, yeah. how much the fan base is waiting on that one. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting casting news uh, in Disney, of course, in their live action adaptation of everything they've ever done uh, is working on a Peter Pan movie. Which okay. Could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, we've but we've already had that a couple. Yeah. Of, I mean, I know we yeah. had Hook way back when oh, with yeah. the late Robin Williams. Yep. Uh, but apparently, for this one, Jude Law is in talks to play Captain Hook in the live action adaptation. So interesting. I, he'd be good. He'd be good. He'd be good. That'd be good. No word on who's going to play uh, Peter Pan or Wendy or anybody else from that film, but that one caught my eye. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, it was announced by Amazon and the, stu- uh, the studios that be last week that, that Amazon Studios is going to be putting out a Fallout TV series uh, from the Westworld creators Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy serving as producers. Mm. Of course, Fallout, the famous video game series from the folks over at Bethesda Studios. This one surprised me and also didn't surprise me. Surprised me because, you know, I was like, wow, I didn't see this coming. Also, didn't surprise me just because you look at what it's about post-apocalyptic, you know, r- real bad place I, on the surface. If you do it right with the right folks and you look at the body of work from Westworld, mm-hmm. you know, should be an amazing series. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I know that I have not played Fallout. I, I've, I've played admit. a bit. I haven't played all of them, but I've played a bit. Yeah. I know it's got a big fan base. Oh, so, yeah. so anytime it comes to the small screen or big screen, you know, there's going to be a lot of eyes on it. Yeah. But with the Westworld. Yeah, production company on it. You, yeah. you have to be a little more optimistic, I think. Yeah, and uh, Bethesda, one of the heads of uh, Bethesda Game Studios, will be involved with the development of the show and series director uh, Todd Howard. Will series director Todd Howard will serve as executive producer of the show, uh, saying, "Quote," uh, and it was uh, the uh, producers of Westworld said, "Quote: Fallout is one of the greatest game series of all time. Each chapter of this insanely imaginative imaginative story has cost us countless hours we could have spent with family and friends." Hmm. So we're incredibly excited to partner with Todd Howard and the rest of the brilliant lunatics at Bethesda to bring this massive, subversive, and darkly funny universe to life with Amazon Studios. So definitely something to keep your eye out on. I It should be good. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, sticking with some video game news, it was announced that Breaking Bad's Giancarlo Esposito is going to be in a video game. He was like, oh, I can't say which. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a big AAA video game. So that kind of led speculation. Like, all right, which one's it going to be? Uh, looks like it, we found out. Uh, it is going to be the next Far Cry game, Far Cry, Far Cry 6. Very popular game. I haven't played much of them. I played a bit here and there of some of them. But knowing Giancarlo Esposito, he kind of tends to play one type of uh, person in media, that being the villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if he plays the villain, I might actually have to pick up Far Cry 6 because that's, that's going to be nuts. Yeah, that definitely sounds very cool to check out. Yeah, and then we might have a, a sequel to Ready Player One coming down the road. Really? Although not anything immediately. Uh, it was announced today that the sequel to Ready Player One is going to be published this November. Uh, the book, aptly titled 
Ready Player Two, uh, will debut November 24th uh, from author Ernest Klein. Excuse me, is uh, stepping back into the Oasis and with the long-awaited sequel, Ready Player Two, will be launching November twenty-fourth uh, in North America. Of course, uh, the movie Ready Player One was released in two thousand eleven uh, and was a hit. Or excuse me, the book was released in two thousand eleven, not the movie, mm-hmm. uh, and was a hit in the publishing world. And it was uh, over a hundred weeks on New York Times bestselling list. Uh, and of course, it, uh, had the uh, film adaptation from Steven Spielberg. Uh, so definitely something to check out. I would imagine based off of how well Ready Player One did that if this does just as well, I would imagine we get a uh, Ready Player Two uh, movie. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that happening either. I remember that movie was very split, though. Like mm-hmm. A lot of people liked it. A lot of people it's all right. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, I mean, I never got around to see it, but I know you were talking about that. So yeah. no, have to no, wait and see on bad. that one. So for closing out, a little more update about San Diego Comic-Con, uh-huh. Comic-Con from home. Yeah. Just to follow up, we were talking, mentioned about last week. We're trying to get a little more update. It's heavily rumored Marvel Studios is not going to be in attendance this Correct. year. So no Marvel Studios, no DC. We know the DC is doing fandom. Right, and I do know I read in a couple of places that on YouTube, panels that have aired will be put onto YouTube Although with some instances, they didn't say what some instances because of what they're talking about or who they're talking about or whatever the case may be, the panel might not be there the whole time. So, you know, for permanently. So some will be there permanently, but some of them because of whatever agreement they have or something behind the scenes, it won't be up there the whole time. So definitely Hmm. uh, I'm sure when they announce the YouTube channel or if they have a YouTube channel now, subscribe to it, turn on the little notification bell. That way you'll know when stuff gets posted. Yeah, absolutely. Wherever con that you definitely want to go check out and support, just hit their YouTube page and just subscribe. Yeah. So that way you don't miss anything. Because with the bigger cons, like such as San Diego, New York, there's stuff on there all the time. Mm -hmm. So you definitely don't want to miss anything. Yeah. So with some of the new panels that we're yeah. just following up about? Yeah. So, of course, we mentioned the Disney Plus Marvel 616 panel uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, some of the other panels that got announced uh, on Thursday, July 23rd at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, check your local time zones for whatever time that is in your area. Uh, you have the Marvel HQ, uh, which reads, uh, this is off the Marvel.com website. This is the destination for all our young Marvel fans and their families. Check out everything Marvel HQ has to offer about your favorite superheroes with a comics read-along and an epic Lego battle and a behind-the-scenes look at our animated series, Marvel Spider-Man Maximum Velocity. And grab some hmm. paper and, cr- and a crayon because we're going to draw that symbiote baddie together in Marvel Draw. Visit Marvel HQ at youtube.com slash Marvel HQ. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the other one they announced is Marvel Comics Next Big Thing, which is Friday, July 24th at 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, which reads, quote, join Marvel Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sibolsky as he breaks down all the latest and greatest coming from the House of Ideas with some of, Mar- of Marvel's most epic creators. Tom Brevort. Al Ewing and Dan Slott will dive into the cosmic calamity coming to Earth's mightiest heroes in the pages of Empire. An army is gathering in the latest X-Men crossover event, X of Swords, and Jordan White, Tiny Howard, and Gary, Gary Dugan have all the juicy details. Nick Lowe, Nick Spencer, and Mark Bagley will discuss the landmark Amazing Spider-Man number 850, ushering in the return of the Green Goblin. Plus, Nick Lowe rejoins the panel to discuss the return of classic Marvel character Werewolf by Night with creators Taboo and uh, Ben Jackendoff. Uh, be there, true believers. Okay, so that one, I've been to the Next Big Thing panel before down in New York. Mm-hmm. The, Was we, that the one we almost got kicked out of? 
Where I almost almost got you almost out. got us kicked yeah. out of the Dawn of X panel. Oh, that was it. Oh, that was the one. Yes, yeah, that was it. You can go through the Twitter lineage. Yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah, because I, I almost said your 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 friend was on the the panel there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, no. But in all honesty, uh, no. This is one that they show all the new uh, characters mm-hmm. that are um new books that are coming out for the, like, the next year. It's, it's, it's like I say, it's the next big thing for a reason. Yeah, and I can't stress that enough because the one thing that you get with this panel is you get. The big crossover events, you get a small idea of what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. And to recap, Empire is the big cosmic story they're pushing in Avengers and, right. and throughout there. Uh, this was going to be the spinoff from Incoming, I believe, because mm. it, was, it was kind of a lackluster murder mystery that yeah. they were saying was going to change the Marvel Universe. Yeah. But this one, I think, is going to play into maybe the next direction of the MCU a little bit more. Maybe. I just have that sense. Maybe. Because um, where things left off with like Captain Marvel, for example. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but I'm saying that's going to be something you want to definitely check out. Ten of Swords is the big X-Men event. Yeah. Only thing I've seen about that is some wild promotional art with all the X-Men having swords of some sort. All right. I don't have Knights any... Knights of the Round Table. No, it's, I think that's what it's supposed to be like. No. like I remember they mentioned at C2E2 very quickly about it, but, I, but to be honest with you, I haven't heard that much about it mm-hmm. since... And I think maybe because with everything going on with COVID, it's yeah, just, it's yeah. fallen by the wayside. Yeah. But this one I am personally interested with because yeah. since the X universe has come back from Dawn of X, we mm-hmm. haven't seen that type of big crossover. Let's say it's been kind of status quo. Yeah, it's been kind of status quo, which they need to. I mean, you don't want to go completely crazy doing crossovers. Every book has to you know, find its voice, and I know that they have – the second wave coming out. I know mm-hmm. there's a new X factor book coming out, which I have right. mixed opinions on. I like the, the team lineup just really wasn't enticing me that much, but I'm still going to give it a shot reading. Yeah. Uh, so I think a lot of it's going to play into that, but how they do the swords. Like, I just remember seeing that promotional arm. Like, okay, I have no idea what's going on, mm-hmm. but they have put so much energy back into the X-Men line. I am going to read it Yeah. because I am not doubting anything they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about that. The Werewolf by Night, though, mm-hmm. I think that's a very interesting project that they're re-releasing. Okay. Do you know why, Pat? No. Werewolf by Night has a lot of ties to Moon Knight. Okay. They're doing a Moon Knight TV show. That's correct. On Disney+. Plus. That's correct. I know that there's been long rumored about a Ghost Rider project coming out, mm-hmm. and you hear the word Midnight Suns. Well, I know it's two words, but you hear Midnight Suns get mentioned a lot for the MCU. Mm-hmm. If you have a comic out that's coming and, and you're starting to generate a little buzz about it, what's to say we're not going to see Werewolf by Night in that the Moon Knight show? That would make show? a lot of sense. That's the way I read that. Yeah. And then Amazing Spider-Man 850. That's insane. <sighs> Who would have thought? I, I will tell you this. I had no idea. Like Just with how they've renumbered everything over the years, yeah. you wind up losing track a lot. Yeah, yeah. But 850, they're going to go completely crazy with. And Mark Bagley's back along with Nick Spencer from what you were saying? Yep. That's going to be a nice tandem to bring that issue in, the return of Norman Osborn. Oh, boy. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't think... Can they make him Ultimate Green Goblin? Because that version's a lot better than their normal version. Eh, Just saying. Never say never, because I I believe the last time we saw him, and and please correct me if I'm wrong, was the Red Goblin storyline that... um, I think so. uh, Was it Dan Slott's final run, I think? I think so, yeah. If memory serves me right... They get, uh, for me, that's a heavy hitter panel mm-hmm. f- 
for San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, so I'm definitely gonna be locked and loaded for that one. Yeah, no. Also, interesting Marvel news that uh, I just noticed because, and I forgot to mention it. Uh, Marvel Comics is going to be the new publisher for Alien and Predator yeah. comic books. Uh, now. Don't think this has anything to do with the movies. Like, no, no, no. It's it just doesn't. strictly comics because uh, in the last couple of years, the last decade or decade or so, uh, Dark Horse, I believe, has been the yep. publisher of the Marvel uh, Alien and Predator uh, comic books. However, it was announced last week uh, that Marvel is going to be the new pr- uh, publisher for Alien, Predator, and Alien versus Predator. Hopefully, it's better than the movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll be launching all new stories with Marvel Comics in 2021. Uh, so that, that'll that be definitely something to check out. Uh, C.B. Sabolsky uh, said, quote, there's nothing more thrilling than a story that will keep you at the edge of your seat, and Alien and Predator have delivered that time and time again. I can clearly remember where I was when I saw each of these modern masterpieces for the first time, and reveling in how both masterfully weave extraterrestrial dread and drama into some of the most iconic scenes we've ever seen on film. And it's that legacy that we're going to live up to. Uh, Marvel editor Jake Thomas said, quote, the, the incredible legacies of both franchises offer some of the most compelling and exciting world building in all of science fiction. It's a thrill and honor to be able to add to that, to add to that mythology and continuity with all new stories set within those universes. Close quote. Uh, so that'll be definitely something to check out. Who knows? Maybe we'll get an alien versus Avengers uh, book down the road. You never know. Well, you have to look at when they've done crossovers in the past. I know when Dark Horse mm-hmm. had the properties, we had Batman versus Predator. That was really good. The, se- yeah. the sequel, debatable. Yeah. You, I know they also crossed over with Valiant way back when, when, mm. when uh, Valiant had the rights to yeah. Solar and yeah. Magnus Robot Fighter. So it's going to be interesting to see if they want to put Predator and Alien in the comic MCU, kind of like what they do with Conan. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, there is a couple of teaser art pieces on the Marvel.com article, uh, the first of which is an alien, uh, kind of a promotional piece of the alien. It's your standard-looking thing, an alien on a sp- uh, spaceship looking like he's ready to rip somebody apart and then you scroll down a little bit and then you see the head of the predator and then you see what he's holding yeah he's holding tony he's stark's hold, head hold, holding tony stark's head with part of his spine coming out yep and he's standing on the avengers tower so avengers versus predator i'm okay with that <laughs> sign me up i'm fully on board you know what i would like to see but i don't know if if they would do it uh uh-huh. punisher versus predator oh, i need that yeah Make that, uh, please, somebody make that happen. I'd, I'd be very, very stoked about seeing that. Uh, there's so many possibilities they can run with it. And it's just, it'll be interesting, like I say, if they try to absorb those two franchises into mm-hmm. the 616 universe. Yeah. And where they want to go with that. Yeah. I mean, because it, it's tricky because if, yeah. you, if you put them in big events. Sure. And then you lose the rights to them or you let it go, whatever sure, it is sure, on the road. Sure. It, it's tough to explain. I mean... It's it's not all the realm of thought though, and no. they, and I think they should. It's like involve, yeah. involve them in there because if you don't and you keep them separate, I mean, there is a fan base for it, but there's so oh, many yeah. endless stories you could tell. Is I, I definitely want to well, see. Like now, I'm thinking that Punisher story, and I'm now I'm hooked on that. So <laughs> gotta make that happen. Yeah, we do. Oh, so many things. San Diego Comic Con is coming. I know it's from home too, but I yep. don't I don't mind. I'm still getting excited for that. Yeah, I know we'll be doing our preview episode for that in a couple weeks. So. Can't wait to hear some more stories on that. DC fandoms uh, going to be in August. A lot of stuff rumored about that yeah, right now, is. which I'm going to say just temper your expectations right now yeah. of what you're hearing is rumored because as far as I know, I have not seen a lot of facts. I know a lot of, there's just so much speculation going on right now. Mm-hmm. 
that we, we don't know. I mean, those are the two big cons coming up. I know Robocon is coming up for us here locally in September. That's going to be virtual. Yep. No official word yet about New York Comic Con. So the only thing we got is uh, when at, we have we had applied for press badges. We got an email the other day saying the deadline to apply for press badges was extended to the end of July and that we'd hear something at least by that point, if not a little bit after. So I haven't heard anything other than that. Yeah, I mean, I, I at this stage, unfortunately, I'm not holding my breath. No. Um, obviously, with, you, you know, with everything going on with C19 and the, and the situation with the state of New York and, and traveling into New York, and I can't imagine, and, and you really think about it, as much as I would like to go, I, I don't think it'll happen because anyone who's been to any comic convention will know, and especially those of you who've been to New York Comic Con will know, you know, the recommendation is to be distant, you know, no more, more than six feet apart, you know, and you think of waiting in those lines just to get your badge swipe to get into the main stage. That's not exactly six feet apart. And then you think about it on the show floor where everyone's selling it stuff and showing stuff off and you can demo video games and how crowded that gets. And I can't imagine that any actor, actress or voice actor or voice actress will want to come in and do autographs and photos and stuff. I just don't think it's going to happen. No, I, unfortunately, I, I don't think so. I think they're going to be borrowing a lot from what San Diego is going to do. Yeah, yeah. I fully envision that because, I mean, Dragon Con was canceled down in Atlanta. Yep. I, I just, as much as... I, th- it, I think, and I could be wrong, out of the major Comic-Cons, I think New York is the last one. Yeah, New York is the, la- is, the, is the last big one. Yeah. Which... I mean, a lot of different factors going into it. Yeah. And unfortunately, like I said, I'm not holding my breath, but yeah. you know, we keep checking our email every day, and as soon as we hear something, we'll let you guys know. And, yep. You know, who knows? I mean, I, but at this stage, I, I'm already kind of gearing up. Okay, we'll just get st- locked and loaded for 2021. Mm-hmm. Hopefully by then, cons will be running again too. And I, I will say the year off will definitely make uh, the excitement build just a little bit more because mm-hmm. they're going to do it. And then, I mean, yeah. ho- hopefully, hopefully, we're at a better stage with COVID that we'll be able to enjoy it. Yeah. So, have to stay tuned for that. Yes. So, all that being said, the music you heard on this episode is that of Shout at the Robots. They have some great music you need to check out. Where do you go check that out? OchoDuroPolyHour.com and head over to the music section. You can check out everything going on with Shout, Fair City Fire, Floodlands, Second Suitor, Yard Party. The list goes on and on and on. You can definitely check out all those bands, their Bandcamp page, their social medias, get familiar with them. They're great people. You can also check out the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour directory, otherwise mm-hmm. known as the ODPH directory. See, sometimes I mumble my words, but I still make it come out right, Pat. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I do this. Anyway, the ODPH directory, you can find links to Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, who's still playing that Final Fantasy VII remake, Pat. Okay. Still apologizing for Ratchet and Clank. Uh-huh. And still not falling <laughs> to your wayside there? Nope. So you definitely shout a line to Tom, tell him to step his game up for pad, uh, to, you know, getting the good graces again. And you can also check out everything going on with Excite Wrestling. You can check out organizational links that are supporting Black Lives Matters, voter registration, and all the amazing pod groups that we are in, their pod chaser pages. So shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to Legion Independent Podcast. Shout out to Hashtag 607 Podcast. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. And shout out to the Apocalypse community who just did their first pod raid as we're recording this week. Very successful one for uh, Capes on the Couch. Definitely go check that podcast out. You can find information on that podcast and our sports podcast liner notes. It's also in this uh, week's episode. Oh, excellent. See, 
Pad, he's the production guy for a reason. He's on top of this stuff. Uh-huh. So definitely go check those podcasts out. Drop him a like on the Podchaser page. It, all, it does help. Any five-star reviews you can leave, too, would be greatly appreciated for whatever podcast you do because it does help the algorithm for people to find the show and keep us going and keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. It's all a win-win. And also I have to give a shout-out to 8122 Productions, too, because we will be live tweeting this Saturday night. On twitch.tv slash 607podcast, we're going to be uh, live-tweeting UFC 251. All right. So you never know who's going to stop by. Uh, it's going to be a great time. We're going to be giving you our instant reaction to the fights. I know we're talking comics, movies, and TV here. But if you still want to pop in, talk a little comic stuff, too, we always will t- be talking in between fights. Yeah. So Or the, maybe the fight's so boring you would rather talk about anything else. Exactly. We always leave it open to the chat. Uh, it's been growing by the numbers each and every time. So... Make sure to drop that follow, sub if you'd like, hashtag 607podcast, and you can find us all on twitch.tv slash 607podcast. The link is right on the front page of ochoduroparleyhour.com. Everything you need that is ODPH is right there, ochoduroparleyhour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only, Padawan J. 42 days, still no app for HBO Max on Roku or Amazon Fire. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.